which is a depressed, exciting episode of... <laughs> Productions provides quality cinematic products that inspire, innovate, and entertain. It's Leon the Lion. Now you've been part of the All men are wankers. You know that? Well, as a wife, a mother, a worker, and a lover, I know. My name's Lindor, and I am a frumpy dumpster. And I'm going to my school reunion if it's the last thing I do. But this bottle of Pims and this box of Salpadine don't want me to leave the house. I hadn't spoken to anyone in ages. I'd become a bit of a recluse. So when I got an email from old flame Leo Hancock from St. Savile's Vocational School, the years disappeared and I was right back in 1991 in room four upstairs at the blackboard, fooling around with long-haired Mr. Heavy Metal himself, Floyd Taylor. The natural light shone in as I pulled the duster away from him. I was laughing. (laughs) He blew chalk dust from the shelf at me. I wasn't messing, you know. I wasn't messing. It wasn't the duster, I said. (coughs) What? Floyd replied, confused, tugging at his ruby-coloured jumper. It wasn't the duster why I came here. You don't believe me, do you? You don't believe me, do you? I repeated. Okay. He answered. When I was trying to get the duster off you, I wasn't sure of what was going to happen next. Same here. He said. I felt like doing something, but was afraid of the reaction. I looked at Floyd. Oh, so did I. I wanted to, but... (sighs) Don't do this to me. He said. I know, I answered. You're being cruel now. I could have... Just cruel. He said. I looked him in the eyes and said, It's not cruel. And stared. I think Floyd was aroused. What about now? He asked. Yep, I replied. Then we kissed. Oh, it was so electric. Even more so when I opened my eyes to see Leo watching us at the door. Oh, me knickers were in floods. Oh, you don't know how long I've waited for this. Floyd said. I wanted it too, I answered. There were so many boys in St. Savile's back then. Floyd Taylor, Leo Hancock at Loose Holes Disco, Zuberi Jelani because his dad ran a chip shop and he had a car and, and many more since that I don't want to count. Never mind the other admirers like Peter Mayhem and Sean Wrigley, but they were much older and they should have known better. I mean, I was only 25 at the time when I was still working out at the Cherry Mary Fun Park. I was crying because my husband Michael dropped me off at the entrance, taunting my weight as usual. Fucking fat cunt! If you actually run around looking after the children, you might lose some kilos, you, you lazy thick cunt! Ah, the old bruiser himself, up to his usual put-downs and insults. I slammed the car door and got the keys from the reception to open up the park toilets.
Janie Mac, you wouldn't believe this. The fun park owner, Peter Mayhem, was wanking over a huge photocopy of my Charlie Mari application picture. A big A3 colour picture of me. Well, holy God, now I was so shocked, the buckles of me dungarees blew off. Now, I thought I was a decent looking girl at 25 then, but to find my boss tossing off to a huge picture of me when I applied to the park aged 12 was, well, a bit sick. I did not wait for an apology. No siree. I ran out of the toilet with Peter falling over his course halfway down. I ran up to my parents' house across the road from the park and phoned my husband. <laughs> but he was at his anger management. So I found solace in my old Jane Fonda videos in my bedroom. They helped produce the love handles after my babies, Rooster, Jarvis, and Leona. I switched Jane on. Are you ready to do the workout? Tried to work out. But I nearly tore the neck off myself. After a good cry, I switched off Jane, changed out of my denim dungarees, and put on my favourite green floral dress with frilly cuffs, strapped on the black heels, and cycled into Ratchley. To buy some comfort food off Sorsha at the Hungry Hippo. I chained the bike outside, in I went. Bottle of Bordeaux, Jaffa cakes, tub of Hagen Dass. 8.91. Yeah, I know exactly how much it costs, Sorsha. Thanks, love. Here's a tenner. Put the rest in the St. Savile's fundraiser box. Bye, you hon. But that reminded me. I hadn't been down in to see the old place since we graduated seven years ago. Unlock the bike, bag in the basket and pedal down to see the old tech, as we called it. <laughs> Memories flooded back as I freewheeled in the driveway. Horse chestnut tree, broken glass, overflowing bins, merrily prefabs. God, I tell you, the last time I was here was when I bounded down the stairs after getting my exam results. Oh, that was <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, yeah, I didn't think I'd but would you look? There was my old principal, Sean Wrigley. And you fucking dog shite, yeah. Standing at the entrance, slapping a young lad in a ruby-coloured jumper. When I was your age, I was out working. Your father's an awful eager. So are you, huh? Plus a change. Uniform's still the same. I jumped off the bike and chained it to the railing. Linderlam! He shouted. Hiya! Ah, yeah, good man yourself. He said to me, for some reason. <laughs> you didn't forget about us. He wiped his nervous hands on his white iron jumper. You were the best student we ever had, Lindor. He whispered in my ear and took my hand. How long have you got? Come on upstairs. Come on. We walked up the same old oak stairs, saw the same flaky beige paint, smelled the same musty air, and Sean's office was still directly across from room four. He opened his door. Sandra, bring me two coffees and fill up the twiglet bowl. He shouted. She scowled. 
Ah, Sandra was in my year. Look at her now. Bet down. We're out of twiglets. Well, fuck the... Go up to Sarsha and get some more. He roared, winking at me. I said, sure, it was okay. I had Jaffa cakes in the bag here. Jesus. It's good to see you, Lindor. He said, winking again. You're looking well. Are you... Are you, are you still out at the fun park? I didn't want to talk about what just happened, so I said I was. How's the man? He met my Michael. No. Ah, uh, the old bruiser is fine. He's still working out at Ratchley Chemical. There's food on the table anyway, I said, trying to draw a veil over it. <laughs> Tell you no, no. No sooner had you graduated, married, fierce young, 18. So young. Yeah. He mused, opening up a juicy fruit. Uh, you want some? He offered. No thanks, Sean. And I stared at his hairy medals in the showcase behind his head. I don't know what the flip they were for, and he didn't want to ask. Eighteen, ha! Huh? Eighteen in life. You were pregnant before you were wed. Wasn't that the thing? Him, ten years older too, huh? What's the fuck on it? I coughed, nearly choking on his candor. Didn't even get to college, did you, Lindor? Makes my feckin' heart bleed for you, girl. You were my best student. His eyes welled up as he stared at me. We fell silent. I thought he'd burst into tears. Ah, I said, to puncture the doom. God, there's so much water under the bridge now, Sean. At least 2,000 tonnes. Anyway, I'm a yummy mummy now and was never happier, I lied. Ah, you are indeed, girl. You are indeed. Yeah, let me take this out in front of you. He jumped up suddenly. His fly was undone and I nearly fell off the seat backwards. I looked to the yellow ceiling to avoid catching the side of his crotch and darted an eye back down to see what was going on. He was taking out a large book. Take a look at this. Oh, J.D. Mac, it was our yearbook from 1991. Oh, me heart. I readjusted my frilly cuffs as he sat back behind his desk, flipping open the first page. Uh, You remember these oddballs, do you? He said, (laughs) sneering at the fresh faces in ruby-coloured V-neck jumpers. Would you look at Floyd? Leo, Adrian and Tony. Uh Then there was JJ. Fucking Egypt. Gavin, Brendan and Clement. Oh, and look at Zuberi Jelady. He's so small. Then the girls. Oh, my Sharon. She married young too. And look, my bestie Claire. She's in America now. And Michelle. Oh, God. Sandra with the hook nose. And then, wait now. Huh? There's a blank space with my name under it. But my photo isn't there. <coughs> Sean smiled. <coughs> that was odd. Where am I, Sean? I asked. Where's my photo gone? There was silence with a hint of juicy fruit. You're right here, darling. He uttered and pushed his seat out from where he pointed to the edge of the desk facing him. He shoved the yearbook to the side. It revealed a taped but tattered top of a photograph with my face stuck to the desk where his crotch would sit. It looked all discoloured and rubbed. Ah! He started chewing gum faster and faster as he unbuckled his chinos. Ah! I screamed and jumped out of the chair, ran to the door with tears sliding down my face and hit the stairs. <laughs> Two at a time until I was outside. Unchained my bike and pedalled as hard as I could. Out past the prefabs, bins and chestnut tree, never to return, ever.
until I opened my baggy eyes again. Back here in 66 Cranog Crescent, Arklaw, I moved my sleepy gaze from the bottle of Pims and stared at Leo Hancock's email. It was an invitation for a school reunion. Location? The old tech, of course. St. Savile's Vocational School. When? Thursday, 5pm? Don't bring partners, it instructs. Ah, there's been so much water under the bridge. It's like a tsunami. Sean Wrigley's probably long cold in the grave. But Janie Mack, how I'd appreciate a bit of attention like that now. It was so innocent by comparison to recent events. Anyway, a school reunion, 28 years later. If I don't count that semi-school thing I had in 2009, and I won't. I tell you now, it'll be gas telling them that Rooster, Jarvis and Leona have all grown up and left the nest. Leona even has a child of her own. Donica's gorgeous. I'm a granny now. It'll be even funnier when I tell them all that I'm a widow too. That the old bruiser himself departed back in 2010. I had an arse like a sack of potatoes during the noughties. More folds than an origami class. But I was back in training. Running up and down the strand at 6am. Taking in the greasy air of the Arco Bay at low tide. A final push up the hill to Cranog Crescent. In the door, shoes off before I served Michael his morning massage and big yellow grapefruit after. No! No, harder! Don't slap your arse on me so much! You know you are a fucking ton! If you don't go harder, I can't free up my toxins! How can I free up my toxins if you... Oh, wait. Here it is. Oh. 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 Oh, God, it's fucking better. Oh. Oh. Nearly knocked me unconscious in the bedroom. That's all I know. Ah, uh, sure, he was getting on, and we all need to look after our bodies. It was him who gave me the idea to get fit again. One, two, three, two. Fuck off and go for a run, you fat bitch. He was such an inspiration. Well, if it gets me out of the house and leaves him to his art. You see, he had taken up painting in his 40s. God, it's great. He had Sharon's daughter Nadia around for the nude portraits. Sharon was the only one who stayed in contact with me from school. Probably because she had Nadia at 19 and lived just up the road. Anyway, Nadia was delighted to see herself spread out on the duvet in our bedroom. And she was only 14. Michael told me to stay out of the house for at least two hours from 6 to 8 a.m. before I had to run back for his massage, breakfast, and bring Rooster, Jarvis and Leona to school in the Highlander. (laughs) I tell you, I would sneak and listen to the Adrian and Tony radio show in the car too. Jerry, I hope you're a job club And we'd all laugh along. Uh, nice bottle of Jack Daniels. It was great that Adrian and Tony were doing so well for themselves in school. Always missing in class, sending me their tapes. But I'll never forget how Tony lost his testicle that day in school. Tony's bomb. Ah, oh, Janie. <laughs> Adrian was at the back spitting through the top of his biro in Sean Wrigley's civics class like he was ejaculating. (laughs) 
Tony grinned in tears, trying not to make a noise as Sean droned on and on. <laughs> then Adrian spat one onto Michelle's hair. Tony couldn't handle it. He roared. Huh? <laughs> in a flash, Sean Wrigley launched the Bible full pelt down the room. <laughs> flying into Tony oh my God. Oh God. and burst his ball into oblivion. <laughs> You're all right, Tony, will you say? <laughs> I barely touched you. <laughs> ah, but now, proper little celebrities, yet Michael didn't like them at all, called them the spawn of Satan. They're the fucking spawn of Satan and they'll not be in my house. He threw out all the radios and burned them in the back garden. But the kids were awful devils and snuck in the shows on iPods from friends at school. <laughs> I even listened to them in the shower. It was the only time I could. Michael forbade me listening to anything in those days. He just loved watching out for me. He cared so much. Even after 17 years of long marriage. Well, I had a good scrub in the tub after me run and I let out a sneaky giggle when the boys were on. I felt like a schoolgirl again, I tell you. God, one time, I'll never forget it. I was in the shower and me massive mother loads only knocked the radio off the hook. Straight over the curtain and skittering across the bathroom floor. Michael came storming in ready for his big shite after the grapefruit. Tripped over the radio and the legs flew right from under him. Landing him on his hairy arse. Oh. The floor turned a treacly brown and... Fucking whore! Fucking fat cunt! I passed out in the shock. After I came back from hospital, the kids were little angels and Michael was feeling sorry for the burst of anger. Ah, you couldn't blame him. He was embarrassed after shitting himself on the floor and I was the nearest thing to him. Thank God it wasn't Nadia or any of the kids. He did get his moods all right, but I still think that that was one of those isolated incidents and sure, there's no one to blame. He even let me watch him do his nude portraits as I couldn't go out for me run as me broken nose hurt too much. There was Nadia on the bed, joined by mum Sharon. Sharon kept fit in her 30s and you knew she knew she was still a good thing. Two of them there lying on the duvet, all smiles, naked as the day they were born. <laughs> Michael studying them intensely in his dressing gown. <laughs> he got it as a gift from his mother on the anniversary when I happened to be in the hospital getting me nose set straight. I got a dressing gown too. It was so sweet of her. There I was, in the bedroom, me and Michael in our matching dressing gowns. Michael's positioning Nadja's legs over Sharon's mm. to expose their bits so he could capture the best pose for his painting. When doesn't his dressing gown accidentally fall open and his hairy man dangler flops out for all to see? <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> Laughed Michael. I was in shock. Thankfully, the girl seemed unfazed as it flapped straight out onto Sharon's stomach. She, God bless the woman, took it in her hand and helped him put it back into his dressing gown. Ah, Sharon's such a sweetheart. I think Michael was a little aroused by this. I could tell. Little Michael was always popping out from then on. And Sharon was always helping it back in. Sometimes even Nadja lent a hand. 
This was so great to see my hubby, the artist. With his passionate work concentrating and concentrating very hard too. Now, I didn't want to step out of line, but I thought I could do just as good a job as, as, as Nadia or Sharon in a pose like that. I mean, lying on pillows with your legs open, how hard was it? You'd be away in a hack with that kind of job, wouldn't you? So there I was, in the bedroom, not a stitch on under the dressing gown. I had to do it. I jumped up, whipped off the gown, dived on the bed and cocked me arse in the air. Paint me, darling! Paint me! I yelped, surprised at my own excitement. I think I even squirted. Michael, though, was in no mood for interruption. I got a spray of blue paint on me arse. Then he tells me to... Fuck off and make tea for the girls. It'll be of some real use. Ah, I thought. It was probably best left to them. They didn't need my stretch mark moon base destroying the view. But as I made tea in the kitchen, I caught my reflection in the cracked glass cupboard. Broken nose. A flabby mother load of tits. Bruises. A fat whore! As Michael would have joked. Then the flashbacks came. Fucking whore! Fucking fat cunt! punches the put downs I gripped the spoon I had changed so much physically in the 17 years since St. Savile's saggy jaw pot belly and a massive arse I was the original frumpy dumpster frumpy dumpster frumpy dumpster frumpy dumpster well something had to change yes sorry and it really did change it started during my dad's funeral Michael was drinking heavily. He had already drunk his way through a gallon of Guinness and threw up on me dad's open face in the casket. <laughs> Everyone was horrified. Oh, fuck me. Oh, that's better. Oh. No, he'd be the one in that coffin. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who mourn. How are you, father? <laughs> Lovely weather. That was the end. I had absorbed it for long enough, so I decided go back to school yeah I tell you now I was dead chuffed there were adult classes on in St. Savile's and I know I said I'd never set foot in the place again but this was different Sharon said I should have divorced the old bruiser but sure Michael would have hunted me down chopped me up and fed me to his pigs yeah pigs he was into the home farm and then God love him at least it kept him out of the house and I didn't mind the stink in the bed too much no it was better to get an education so as to handle the worst extremes of Michael's personality I rolled up my dungaree sleeves, hopped in the Highlander and drove up St. Savile's driveway at 6pm. Two hours ago, three nights a week, I couldn't get psychology that I wanted, so I took drama instead. Sure, it was the only one left after I arrived late for the sign-up. Thanks, Michael, for throwing the car keys down the toilet and doing one of your old big ones on top. Oh, fuck me. Oh. In the first class, we met our drama teacher. Oh my God, I couldn't believe my eyes. It was Floyd Taylor. The Floyd Taylor, fresh from a two month stint on the boards, as he said, in Thailand. Thailand? Would you believe that now? I was amazed. Old Mr. Heavy Metal himself, the long locks shorn, out dancing in the Far East, giving it mighty to the locals. I tell you now, I was sold. This was me, waiting for Godot, King Lear, the Vaginaman and Logs, and the old magic hadn't gone away between Floyd and me. We took a shine to each other immediately. His face and torso were so taut. Nothing was lost. Nothing. Hiya! I said as I sprang up slowly to shake his hand. You have such a powerful face, Lindor. 
such emotion. History, said Floyd sternly. Well, a few slaps will do that to a girl, as I blushed and twiddled me straps. Here's a good costume for you. Go on, change into it. He whispered. God, last time I stepped into a dress was at the funeral. I was mortified, but this was the moment to prove to myself that I was making the right choice. To hell with Sharon, who said I was mad, and a big dopey fool who should know her place, and, well, fuck off then. I snatched the green dress and headed behind the curtain to change. It was just like my old favourite, a green floral design with long hanging sleeves. Now, I used to remember trying on dresses back in the day when I had an arse worth the attention, but this was all new. Mirrors on three sides, and Floyd Taylor was now in the back changing too. I saw him in the mirror. (laughs) Holy God, he had a sausage on him that had put the old bruiser to shame. A big fat one with a bulbous vein forcing its way down the length of the helmet. I, I nearly flooded me knickers. Janie Mac! If I had known then what I saw now, I would have led him up on me back in 91. What was I thinking? Him now here parading around the room rehearsing his lines. Not a stitch on him. His tangling bell launching itself from hip to hip had me mesmerised. Up to then, I'd never seen such pure majesty. The rest of the evening was a blur. I changed, we rehearsed, I twirled, we practised, Floyd taught us, we laughed. But all I could think about was Taylor's massive pulsating cannon. A round of applause for everyone tonight. Excellent. Well done, you, Brian, Linda. Great job. But then, in the next class, Floyd got me up in front of everyone and assessed me. Lindor, your feline appeal has disappeared. It's covered under your vulgar denim miniskirt and those garish blue tights. And what's with the fur coat? It's a... it's a suit of a slut. Oh, and this amount of makeup would do a clown justice. But not you. You, Lindor. You've let yourself down. I stood frozen, the room silent. Floyd cracked his fingers. I ran out of the room. Linda! How dare he say that? Linda! I went into the swimming pool hall next door. It was empty. I had a one piece under my slut suit, so I jumped in and sank to the bottom. Floyd ran in after me. Linda! Get out of the pool! Come on! Don't be so stupid! He shouted, waving his arms, motioning me to come up for air. I rose naturally, my wobbly mother load bringing me back to the surface. <laughs> I swam to the side. I refused to get out. I shook my head. He motioned again, smiling, and walked to my side of the pool, standing over me. His white canvas trousers seemed almost invisible, and he was going full commando. His huge langer must have been strapped to his leg with tape, I tell you. It was like an old trap weasel. My eyes followed as he moved to the pool ladder. I suddenly got all giddy and wanted to spring up from the water like in La Dolce Vita. But the years had held me down, so all I could do was crack two of my toes off the ladder. I yelped. Floyd caught my sagging torso. Ah! I looked like I'd broken them. I was such a frumpy dumpster. I went into a heptoleptic shock. Right on Floyd's immaculately pedicured and hairlessly bronzed toes. I fell like Mary Magdalene. He hauled me over onto me back. Oh, it had been a long time since a man had me in that position. 
Michael just like firing in a quick volley in from behind. Over the kitchen table before bed. Floyd pushed on my chest and drove the gob on me. I was half gone, but it stirred memories of room four in 91, all right. I'm so horny. No dust on me this time. Just a lung full of water spat in his face. <coughs> Floyd carried me out into the courtyard. It was like an officer and a gentleman. Love lift us up where we belong. Don't use that language on here, lads. The ambulance fellas did me up a treat with bandages on me broken toes before the old bruiser turned up to drive me home. Shouting and screaming at... I'll fucking sue you, clippity-clops! And you! What are you looking at? Get in the car! Stop acting! You're well able! Get the fuck in! Floyd said he would hold a place for me on the course when I'd be ready and that I shouldn't take any notice of his critiquing my dress sense. Michael told him to... Fuck off! Slam the door... And we tore off down the school driveway. But Floyd was right. I still am a frumpy dumpster. Nothing at all had actually changed. <laughs> I wept silently in the Highlander home. Well, that was all about to change. If it really mattered at all. It doesn't now, I tell you. Since that bottle wants me to open it and those yolks want to go down my throat. Ah, but back then... I was so distraught, and I'd yet to learn that I would never see Floyd again after that. I don't know if he will show up to this school reunion. Where is he now? Did Leo Hancock even send him an invite? Thursday, 5pm. Oh, to gaze upon his beautiful tart and stern jaw again. To stare into those eyes. To reach down and touch his huge langer. And, and lick his bronze toes. Oh. <laughs> I'm crying again. Stop it, Linda. Cop on. He won't appear. No one heard from him again. After what would happen. And I wouldn't blame him. But I'll always have room for Floyd Taylor, my long-haired Mr. Heavy Metal Man. The last straw with Michael really came when he took out my green floral dress, the one that I had kept perfect for years, and started to rub wet paint off his penis in front of Nadja on our bed. <laughs> no! I screamed as he twisted the pattern round and round, splattering paint everywhere. He had given up home farming, shot the pigs, dumped them on the strand and went back to the canvas. And there he was, laughing, dressing gown open for Nadia to stare at, squeezing off gobs of blue paint into my pristine gown, emptying any hope I had at continuing with this man. I shouted at him to stop. Stop destroying it, you bastard! What? This old rag? So you look like a vampire's wife, innit? He laughed, wiping harder. I lunged for it and tore it away from his hands. But it was ruined. Blue smudges everywhere. It was a long time coming, but 
And I know I had resisted Sharon's advice, but after Floyd Taylor had turned up broken-legged and barely breathing at the back of the Ratchley Chemical Factory, I knew something was not right. I dreaded the idea. I refused to accept, blocked it out even, but I knew Michael had seen the chemistry between Floyd and I. I'm sure the old bruiser saw that Floyd had some savage tool behind the cotton as we drove away that night. I just didn't want to imagine what may have happened as a result. And if he desecrated my dress in revenge? All I knew was that the drama classes were cancelled, money refunded, and as of that moment this vampire's wife was out for blood. All the time up to then, I had never dreamed of using the savings I had squirreled away in the dusty lingerie. But as Michael used my beautiful dress to clean himself off, that was it. Out came the money from the old Wonder Bras, and off I went. Hiya! Cunt! I left with the bag he threw at me and rented a bedsit behind Ratchley Main Street. Ah, it wasn't too bad. Brewster, Jarvis and Leona visited, as sometimes did my red-headed bedsit neighbour. Hey, I know you, don't I? We went to St. Savile's together. <laughs> it's JJ, remember? JJ! Jack or Jordan? Jesus! It's been a while! Hey, we should roll one sometime. Would you be up for that? I'm up for that, like, if you'd be. I had no idea what he meant. <laughs> yeah, sorry about last night and your door buzzer. I was off me tits. I pressed it by accident. And it sounded like an E. And then I pressed it again. And it sounded like a G. So I started tapping it out. You know, Iron Man. Boy Black Salmon. You don't? No? I said I, I never liked those metal lads. Black Sabbath. I tell you now. All I remember was that JJ was a freak in school, hanging around with Gavin and Clement, and it was best to ignore them lads. But aside from 2am doorbells, all in all I settled into my post-old bruiser life. One day, after sewing the straps on my dungarees, this lady went to the pub. God, I hadn't been in one of them since the last millennium. Well, I was only going in to get myself a little bottle of Jemmy to take the edge off. It had all been a bit of a trauma lately. And it was then when I bumped into Michelle. Michelle from school. She only runs the whole small pub herself. And I never knew. I suppose I was never let out at night other than to go to those classes. And I'll say this, me and Michelle hit it off mighty. <laughs> we weren't the best of friends in school. I think she was jealous of me getting more A's after all the studying her parents forced her to do. And I got all the boys' attention too. Although I remember Adrian was hot in her tail. <laughs> sure enough, I was wobbling back to my bedside after spilling a lot about my life and she, hers, her time being molested in Ballymun and some casting agency work she did with Lion Productions. Lion Productions provides quality cinematic products that inspire, innovate, and entertain. Visit Leo Hancock for a consultation now. But I was happy and drunk. I managed to lock the door before JJ could play me more of his music on his portable keyboard and telling me about Celestine Prophecies. You, you have to read it. He said, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. James says that whenever people cross our paths, yeah, there's always a message for us. Chance encounters do not exist. But how we respond to these encounters determines whether we're able to receive the message. 
If we have a conversation with someone who crosses our path and we do not see a message pertaining to our current questions, it does not mean that there was no message. It only means we missed it for some reason. <laughs> I didn't know what he was saying. Anyway, next day with a fuzzy head, I washed my green dress for the fifth time, cut off the blue stained sleeves, and it looked good as new as I forced my folds into the halter neck with hazy flowers. Michelle called round and we went arm in arm out the door. She had it tough like me, so we made a pact over Brian Adams in the coffee shop to change it. But how? Follow me. She said, smiling, and led me out past the back of Ratchley Chemical Factory, which I was a little nervous about, then on through the Ratchley Woods, and up just outside Charry Mari Fun Park. It was a beautiful sunny day, about 3pm, so I had another hour before making the dinner and bringing it over Michael in his house, as he then liked to scream at me. Ah, Michelle was going good out with the stories of how she never got married, and that there was no good men in the town anyway. I said I know! I hadn't seen a proper man in years, and only for Floyd, I'd have forgotten what a massive mangler looked like. Michelle gaped at me and said, Oh, you should see what they feel like. <laughs> she stared. I didn't know what to say. That's when we heard it. Michelle said to follow her. So I did. We ventured in our suede boots and loose scarves to a clearing. There stood four middle-aged men, and from a distance, they looked like they were out of a crowded house video from the 80s. Michelle took my hand. The biggest fella approached, spat the fag from his goblin, and it was then that I recognised him. It was Brendan! Brendan Barty! The best Gaelic footballer of all St. Savills! My old classmate! Oh my god! And was that Gavin Moore behind him? And that's definitely Clement Gansela? What the Janie? But I said nothing. Then at the rear, and scuffing his shoes, was a man with a familiar sound. <laughs> it was JJ! Jacker Jordan. I looked at him in horror. We had just met in the morning, but he looked different, as if vacant, as they all lined up. JJ, Brendan, Gavin and Clement, just like our yearbook from 91, a semi-school reunion in the woods outside the fun park. Oh, good woman yourself, Michelle. She's a hefty one. Said Brendan, staring at my buxom mother load. Yep. 18 extra kilos will do that to a girl. And never mind the slabs of black eyeliner I got off Michelle too. Yet there was no hint of them recognising their classmate 18 years on. As for JJ, he just stared ahead with bloodshot eyes. Were they letting on? And if not, surely I didn't want to tell them. I was too busy sweating, which made what was about to happen one of the strangest episodes of my life. And it was a wonder too that JJ kept his mouth shut about seeing me that morning at the flat. But soon, I was to realise why. Ready? Said Brendan again. Gillette bursted on. He sounded brain damaged. Must have been all those years fighting the football. But I was mesmerised. What were we all doing in this field, Michelle? Just then, I made out the big bent helmet under Brendan's grey stonewashed jeans. His fashion sense was always rubbish. His hammer twitched as Brendan took me by the hand. I jolted. No man had done that in such a gentle way since Floyd. I blinked. Oh, Gavin said I was a very sexy woman with big milk and blood. I don't know if he had been on drugs the whole time since school, but I tell you, I only went crimson. Then as quick as a snot, Clement whips out his skinny owl creamy flute and starts riffing off the strokes, one after the other like a piston engine. 
Ah, I looked around for Michelle, but all I saw was Brendan and Gavin staring at me, each flicking their nervous flogs in me face. Oh my God, I was mortified. I hadn't seen this amount of penis since Michael taped over the wedding video for spite. Yeah, take this bitch. Come on, come on, don't be shy now. You're not shy, I know you're not. We're friends now, for it's written by James Redfield in the Celestine Prophecy. Said JJ, eyes rolling around his head. And clearly, I now realised he was stoned off his head, lost his mind, and didn't know I was actually his new neighbour. But one thing he hadn't lost was his ability to unfurl his super lengthy log. As he stretched out in front of me, it was ever expanding. I took a sharp intake of air. There, as God was my witness, the sun split the trees, shone upon these men's tools, and a flush of adrenaline fired deep inside. They moved in. My legs splayed, and the wind lifted my green dress, shrouding my face. Their searching hands threw my then 18 years of marriage right out the window. Gone, and what a way to go, as I searched skyward. I didn't know I had it in me. I didn't know I could have three in me at the one time. Holy God. They wanted me. They worshipped me. They didn't know who I really was. But I was inside their skin. I filled my lungs to the ribs. I am a woman again. The echo pumped back and forth through the Ballyganorn woods. Black Sabbath! I was no more the fool. No more just a frumpy dumpster. Frumpy dumpster. Frumpy dumpster. Frumpy dumpster. No, she died in that field outside the fun park that day. And I'm shaking now as I remember this transformation ten years ago. Shaking with the thoughts of who they were and who they thought I was then. And if I would meet the last one to survive at the school reunion now, would he then realise who I was and what I have become since? I can't even think straight. And I still can't understand how JJ got so stoned, never to know it was me, yet to thrust his length into me with such perfection. I tell you now, the world is mad. As the next day, I met him outside the flat and he introduced himself again as if he'd never seen me since school. Hey, I know you, don't I? We went to St. Savile's together. <laughs> it's JJ, remember? JJ! Jack or Jordan? Jesus! <laughs> it's been a while. Hey, we should roll one sometime. Would you be out for that? I looked him in the eye and thanked him for inspiring me to move on with my life. He stood smiling, and as I closed the door on him, and on a whole chapter of my old life, all I heard him say was, It's a I wanted to thank Michelle too for awakening in me the woman I truly turned into today. But events conspired as they always do, driving old friends apart, and we lost contact. Maybe I will see her at the reunion. I really hope so. I would tell her now, by making me follow her through those Ballyganarn woods, she put me on my road to Damascus. And I would tell her where that road went, and how I lived by the light it gave. For that light shone all the way to Ratchley Forest Park. Two years ago, six years on, and three kilos more from Michelle for showing me my new life. First was Brendan Barty and his big bent helmet. He was always cocky, was Brendan. 
In school, he galloped down a mucky field, bursting a football over a bar to win a point. After school, he ran his own tractor leasing company and had a predilection for dogging and important women. Ah, but Brendan was very nice to me when I had to bury the old bruiser himself, though. Oh, did I not tell you? Michael was dead by now. He had run away and left me to pay the bills, fled to France with Nadja, received the midlife crisis in his late 40s as Nadja ran off the Frenchman, and then he tried to crawl his way back. Penniless, knocking on my door six months later. He rattled the handle, but I had long changed the locks at 66 Cranoke Crescent. Come on, let's in love. I'm sorry, you know that. I told him from the window that I'd moved on and go stick a fork in yourself, mister, because you're done. Linda! Please! Fuck! Well, he didn't stick a fork in himself, but he was done, as he got his father's gun. He walked to the strand at low tide. the side of his head off. Papers say that it was the sea that took him. I know different. Dead! And it was that six years after my adventure in the Ballyganorn Woods, Brendan came to the conclusion of just who I was when he attended Michael's funeral. I enjoyed seeing his face as they lowered the casket into the ground. He was amazed, as I could tell by the bent outline of his black trousers. I thought of Michelle and laughed. <laughs> Lindor, please. The priest was not pleased. <laughs> But Brendan had fair blown the dust off this old frumpy dumpster. And now, as I was a woman, I was a widow. This meant Brendan wanted to stay in touch. So I let him force himself into me at discreet moments. Dirty sneaky bitch, Linda. How did I not know it was you? You married too young. Usually outside, and more and more at night. With this soaking wet cunt of yours, and Michael not even cold in the ground. What are you doing, lads? <coughs> what the fuck are you doing? Get out of this graveyard now! This is... No! This is consecrated soil! Next day, I thought I would surprise Brendan. He promised he would cheer me up and lay me out on the thick grass in Ratchley Forest Park. Said he'd keep me safe. Ah, Brendan. He was my wild man of the woods. All sinewy pecs and wide grin. Add in liposuction, a hair transplant and the suspected brain damage. He'd pass for half my age. Brendan! <laughs> Are you ready, Linda? I picked him up in my new Ford Banjo at 9pm. Come on then, let's burst her on. He rubbed his hands, fixed his tuft and grinned like a ferret. He felt my denim dungarees and brushed against me bulging moose knuckle. Oh, it was gushing. He stared down my open heaving mother load as we rumbled over the cattle grid into the park as dark killed dusk. He smiled at me and licked his lips. Telling me I was still gorgeous after all these years. And why did he never get up on me in school? I thanked him. He was he was so nice. He was so manly as he sucked through his teeth, spread his legs and pulled his crotch. I smiled and slammed on the accelerator. Brendan's head sheared back. I hit 90. He gripped the door. I put on my lipstick. He tried to speak. I looked at him. Kill the lights. And laughed. A hundred, a hundred and twenty. The banjo was alive. Brendan was there roaring at me. Stop bursting it on, you crazy bitch. I rubbed his leg, took out my breasts and tore up the hill overlooking the river. 
He didn't know where to look as we bounced along. Flop and dangle. Look at me, Brendan Party. Look at me. The road, me again. I tell you, as he made a grab for the door handle, I knew I was inside his skin. I spun the wheel hard above the edge, wrenched the handbrake. The passenger door flew open and Brendan's grip on the handle disappeared as he flew off into thin air. Then nothing. Sweet silence as dust fell through the lamplight and over the ravine. Then the cascading cracks of branches below. Bye, Brendan! You have just met the mother load. I started the engine and reversed down the hill, turned in the car park and cut across the thick grassland up near the stone pillar. On this beautiful night as the river valley mist expanded into the darkness below, I put on the Black Sabbath cassette again and took the trail into the woods. I came to a stop, turned off the banjo but kept the lights on. I liked how they illuminated the thick row of gently undulating pine branches. I stepped out, adjusted my tights and pulled the dungaree straps tighter. I began to walk. It was a clear night, awash with a studded show overhead. I left the woods, looking upward as I did. My thoughts turned to home, where Leona, my youngest, was due any day now to give birth and make me a granny. Suddenly, a sound stirred the serene silence. I looked up, catching sight of a darkened figure sitting on a bench ahead. Hi, come here, you. I approached quietly. He looked drugged out of his mind, and I should know. I helped take care of losers for my day job in Ratchley Outreach Centre. The man gestured me to come over. I recognised his voice. I would never have forgotten it. At 1am, sitting on a bench in Ratchley Forest Park was Gavin Moore. Without a moment's thought, I walked towards him. As I reached the bench, he jumped up, grabbed me by the dungaree straps, and held a knife to my throat. He stank of whiskey. You're going to give me your pussy, or I'll have to cut it out of you. Gavin threatened softly as he grabbed my breast. Did me buckles nearly blow off? No, they did not. Not an inch did flinch. I stared straight ahead. I said, you want to rape me? Or kill me? Well, you've already been inside me six years ago. And I want to thank you for that, Gavin. You helped change me. But now, I'm the one inside you. I'm in your head. You know who I am. And you've just hit the mother load. His eyes reared up. His head wrenched back. He wobbled, stunned, and could not find words. He released his grip on my straps and lowered his knife. I looked at him. He stared wild-eyed at me, breathing fast. He started to scream. He started to laugh. But I was out of breath. He lifted the knife up to his face. I looked back to the stars above. And Gavin Moore slowly drove his own knife right through his eye socket. I turned around calmly and walked away, disappearing into the dark as Gavin collapsed. I got back into the banjo. Engine on. Lights flooded across the open expanse of thick grassland. I drove out. I was fearless now. No more just a frumpy dumpster. Now it is my time. 
Gavin was a man and I had been inside his skin. I drove into Ratchley. Street lights zipped over my window. I crossed the intersection. I never looked both ways. No one was out. I turned left into the square, boarded up houses, signs of the chronic unemployment that fed my outreach centre. That's when I saw him. JJ, Jagger, Jordan, roaming the streets with his keyboard under his arm, smoking his weed, just walking on by. I expected to see him. He was sleeping in a cowshed since the fire in his bedsit made him homeless. I put Black Sabbath on cassette in the banjo and rolled down the window. Hiya! How's it going, love? Fancy a lift up? I can take you all the way if you want. JJ hesitated, but he was shivering and I knew he needed comfort. He nodded and climbed in. I put the banjo into second and asked him did he like how I looked. (gasps) He nodded. Thanks for the lift, yeah? Uh, Cool denim jumpsuit. 70s. Blue tights. I felt his eyes on my thighs, though he was shy about it. Hey, do I know you? He didn't even remember me yet again. And I so wanted him to realise but his eyes couldn't even look straight. I forced it into third. We left Ratchley, climbed towards the direction of the outreach centre and sped on. He gripped his keyboard. I smiled. I was inside his skin. I stopped short and pulled into a quiet overgrown lane. Are you stopping short? Are you not going the hallway after all? I said if he wanted, he could go the hallway again as he did with me before. He only had to ask. He stared ahead. (laughs) Laughed to himself, all confused, but nodded. Then looked at me. I took out my breasts. And before he could land a nipple, I forced his face in. (laughs) I could hear his muffled delight. I grabbed his head and pressed him deeper. He squelched and squirmed for air, sucking on my chest. I rammed his head up against the passenger door. My heels dug in, my legs straightening. He thumped me with his fists. But my buckle softened his blows. He tried to pull my hair, but I was well used to that from my old bruiser, Michael. I pushed in harder. His head jammed, unyielding. A judder and spasm. Then his arms fell slowly. There was no more fight, no more air, no more JJ. Boya! You've just hit the mother load! Smothered into silence, Jagger Jordan was stone cold forever. Never to be found again. I hurt now when I think of what I did. Not out of guilt or fear of discovery, but for not doing it sooner. I gave up life at 18. College, friends, adventure, all snapped away by the predatory comfort of a man 10 years older. My brain twisted to his very need. He was like a parasite. Then up the duff in a shot. Aye, I don't blame the old bruiser for the three lives he gave me. Only for the one he took away. 19 years, but I made up for lost time in the last nine. I look once again at Leo Hancock's email for our school reunion. Thursday, 5pm, St. Savile's. Don't bring partners. Leo writes in capitals. Well, that's me sorted, mister. He still holds a flame. God love him. Look at all those smileys. Thursday, 5pm. Today, in two hours. Ah, here. Shut that laptop, Lindor. You've no time to root round the past. You have to get ready. Put some lippy on. Tart yourself up, woman. Mm. I wonder would I be able to fit in that little green dress now? Where do I have it? I'd say it'd be a bit too tight for me. But look it. 
Everything's a bit too tight now. Not afraid to admit it. No plenty on the table anymore. No steady income after the outreach centre shut down and I was going without dinners. The fear of frumpy dumpsters still possessed me. And as I looked in the mirror, those lines were getting longer. I'm not the vivacious 44-year-old of two years ago that had men fallen dead at our feet. I'm just a widower who is expected to slowly disappear from society. And what if I did? Leona has Donica. Rooster and Jarvis are off on their adventures and they all know about family bereavement at this stage. This bottle of Pims and this box of Salpatine don't want me to leave this house. And who'll stop me? No one. Yeah, do it. Do it. Do it. Right, I know exactly what I'll do. But first, I looked in the mirror. The old floral halter neck hugging my undulating fat. But I didn't care. It was my green dress. I strapped on my black heels grabbed the keys and slammed the door. I walked to the credit union. Hiya, hon! Here's me book. Can I take out all the savings, please? Outside, I saw a bike leaning on a railing. It was unlocked. Idiot. That's mine now. I giggled and stole it. I wobbled inelegantly, picking up speed, wind fluttering up me chute, but I was free as I bombed downhill and turned right into St. Savile's vocational school driveway. Memories flooded back as I freewheeled in. Horse chestnut tree, broken glass, overflowing bins, moldy prefabs, ah, plus a change. But wait, when I arrived at the main entrance, it looked all boarded up. When did this happen? Is it derelict? It's Thursday, 5pm. It's St. Savile's, but no one's around. I hopped off the bike and left it on the rusty railing. In the corner of my eye, I saw a laminated white sign pinned to the boarded-up entrance. I walked up. It said, Lion Productions. Where did I know that name from? Suddenly, the boarded hoarding rumbled, and it flung open on creaky hinges, and I was face-to-face with an old flame in a ruby Fedex jumper. Hello, Linda. He said in a resounding horn, Leo Hancock! Hiya! Oh, God, is it really you? Welcome to Lion Productions. It's reunion night tonight. He smiled. What? You work here? In the old tech? He told me St. Savile's vocational moved two years ago to a new facility up near the factory, and he took this place over. Come on upstairs. I have something to show you. He took my hand. This was so surreal. We walked up the same old oak stairs that were now splitting, saw the same flaky beige paint that was all but peeled off, and smelled the same must that almost made me choke. And Leo's office was, I don't believe it. Stop, I stop. Directly across from room four. Oh my God. Leo opened his door. We walked in. Leo was some snazzy dresser with the creases in his tailored yellow chinos, sharp as the angles on his freckled face. I inhaled the subtle smell of Clive Christian aftershave as he bored into me with his green eyes. So you want the good life? Leo asked. That was a strange question. Who else will be arriving for the reunion, Leo? I asked, hoping to hear, beyond my doubts, that everyone was going to come. And what's all this about Lion Productions? What do you produce? Lots of sex, adoration of people, financial security. That's what I produce, Lindor said Leo triumphantly. Ah, you're having me on, mister. You were always shifty with the truth. May as well be called Lion Productions, ha? Huh? Now, where's the rest of us till I say hello? But it is called Lion Production. Ah, never mind. You know, it is wonderful to see you. 
last time was in loose holes, if memory holds me. Huh? Uh, speaking of holes, Lindor. We were? I have the right key for you here. To unlock your potential. He honked. Sounded like a sad self-help video. But you must be ready to step across your boundaries. He said, hunkering down. I laughed. What's yawn about boundaries? Ah, me and boundaries have long parted company, Leo. Suddenly I felt a flush of self-worth. Come on then, lion. Where's the show? Leo jumped up in excitement and led me out across the hall into room four. I never thought I would be back inside here after 28 years. Oh, the blackboard is still there, lit brightly by floor lamps and large reflector umbrellas. Opposite a ruby backdrop? Sure, that's just like the colour of our old school jumpers. Leo poured me a glass of Bordeaux and tapped at his laptop. Summer of 69. Wow. Ah. He said he'd take a few shots for the reunion and I was only delighted to go for a spin on the backdrop. There were pillows everywhere. He told me to twirl. Snap. Again. Snap. Lift it a bit. Snap. More leg. Snap. A bit more. Snap. Snap. Higher, Lindor. Snap. Shaney. By this stage, the dress was nearly up to me stretch marks. I didn't care. Leo looked like he was getting off on it and this Bordeaux was working. The photo shoot went on and I felt amazing. Leo was wide-eyed as he snapped, his little freckles jumping. This old frumpy dumpster was an object of lust and desire. Just as I was 28 years ago in this very room. Sure, my hefty mother low drooped and sank. I had stretch marks and my arms jiggled, but I was loving the skin I was in. And I was not alone. That's real beauty. Suddenly, Leo's laptop buzzed. He smiled called me over and filled up my glass. He told me that he was streaming the photo shoot live on Facebook and everyone was going wild for my photos. Oh, would you look? They love you, Lindor. Tooted Leo. And I felt loved in room four, my magical place. I laughed and sank the Bordeaux. Leo topped me up, gestured a key movement and stared at me. What would you say to a movie shoot, Lindor? He asked. I giggled. Sure, I said. Hey, didn't you work with Michelle? <gasps> Is she coming tonight? Please say yes. I was a little tipsy as Leo picked up a camcorder. <laughs> These lights were burning me up. Just get into it. It's worth 4,000 euros. He said as he started recording. I tried to understand what he meant. He wanted to give me money to film me. Ah, Leo, I laughed. But inside I knew I was a woman whose table didn't have plenty, so this fee made my eyes water. Oh, Don Henley, boys of summer. Butterflies flittered in my belly. Leo filled my glass. It'll be a straightforward one-on-one -on -one for your first scene, said Leo in full command. I was wobbling everywhere, but I managed to nod. A reunion video? Why not? <laughs> this wine? Good? It'll be with Joe Hilty. He added. <laughs> I burst out laughing. Joe Hilty? Who's he? I don't remember him from school. Isn't that the name of a machine? Hmm. Weren't you playing at Mr. Lion Products? He gets his name as he parodies women. Women like you, Lindor. And action! Leo roared. Suddenly, 
a completely naked man ran in the door slapping his toes off the parquet floor with the widest girth I'd ever seen hanging between a leg. He wore a Spider-Man mask and was consumed by hair. I soon forgot Leo was there. Joe Hilty grabbed me, forced me down onto the pillows and flung my green dress off. The hot lamp slid up my cheeks. Leo peered in over his shoulder as Joe leapt on me. I screamed. Joe was in and Joe was in hard. And out and in and in out. Ah! Joe had a piston-propelled penis that hammered me raw. And good. And Joe Hilty, who didn't make a sound the whole time, jogged back out the room. Booyah! Just who was that masked man? But I was merry and sore and completely fulfilled as I lay slumped over a pillow, legs shaking. Leo knelt down and told me we'd create a niche market. Today was about embracing diversity, he said. But this was our school reunion. Leo said, of course it is, as he uncorked another Bordeaux. Yet he needed to show the middle-aged body has nothing to be ashamed of. That school days aren't the best days. I didn't grasp his logic. Instead, I just drank. Leo handed me some Vaseline to soothe my red vagina. Reset the lamps and said that my work will be... Anti-ageist, pioneering and promote healthy sex into old age. That I will... Frolic, flop and dangle with no shame. Shame? Shame? This... This isn't shame, Mr. Lion. This isn't shame, I said as I staggered to my feet. This is me. You have no idea what I have done. See? See? These are not stretch marks. These are for a tiger who has earned her stripes. And I hope you're satisfied with my newest Mr. Productions. But where the fuck are my old... Where the fuck are my old classmates? Michelle? Michelle? What about Claire? Is she back from America? You're beautiful. He said, visibly affected by my speech, as I dragged my dress back on. And this is your reunion, shouted Leo, splashing on more Clive Christian. He shoved me back and snapped his fingers. My pendulous jugs punched me in the face as I fell onto the floor. Action! He bellowed. A small tanned man raced in on his knees and knelted himself as... <laughs> Zuberi, lady! Zuberi from school? Ooh, baby. Panic and joy entered me. Zuberi was followed by the rasping voice of... Tony One Testicle. Bounding in? No way. Oh, I couldn't believe what I saw. A pasty, emaciated man in a bobble hat with one hideously malformed giant testicle. <laughs> That was Tony, all right. He looked like a kettle weight. Oh. Move over, will you? Look like Jaberry. Look at my face, will you? He immediately thrusted his deformity in me face. Yeah. Uh, if this was embracing diversity, then I must embrace. Zuberi still looked 18. I was young and beautiful too, I told him, looking into the camera. You may not see it now, Zuberi, but middle age is in the post for you. Then the door opened again, and a man entered the room slowly, locking the door behind him, his legs creaking and cracking, and he lined up with the other two. He was stern and taut, and had the most amazing bronzed... 12-inch tailor at your service, Mom. Oh, my God. It's... Hugh, you're here! 
turned up. I I didn't think. And room four, do you? I burst into hysterics. What happened to you? 12-inch Taylor told us that, that after recovering from surgery for his two broken legs and a year of rehab, he would dance no more, so tried to return to his first love of radio, a midnight slot as a favour from Adrian and Tony to follow their main rock show, and it was cancelled and he descended into drugs and alcohol and bitterness. I took a huge gulp from the bottle. It reached an adir when he slammed his Renault Twingo into a herd of cattle. Propelling him through the glass, hooking his penis on the horn of a bull. The split penis was sewn up, but he chose plastic surgery to extend it during the operation. Thus began 12-inch Taylor and his career in porn. Before I could ask Floyd a thing, Zuberi sprang his little cock into the side of my mouth. And Tony one testicle comforted me anally. 12-inch Taylor tore Leo's belt from his chinos and spun it round both our necks, pulling me close. Zuberi still rooting at me jaw. You want to be cruel now? We could have... Cruel. Mumbled 12-inch Taylor. I looked him in the eyes and said, It's not cruel. And stared. That got him aroused. And by forces greater than gravity, the savage mass between his crooked legs sailed up into view. I've waited 28 years for this moment. He said, and shanked at his outrageous organ. Ever since room four. Here. In April 1991. Ever since the dust. That we only kissed. Now, I have you. He scowled. <sighs> and pushed Tony out of me. God. Fuck's sake. Cracking himself down onto one knee. I grabbed the belt and restricted his words. His yardstick interrogated my green dress. Poking my folds. I was nearly gushing. Ah, what would old bruiser think now? But that's when the rage filled me. And it wasn't Taylor's 12-inch. No, because this was not what room four is. This is not why I'm here. Look at me, Taylor. <coughs> Suddenly, the violent flashbacks. Fucking whore. The punching. Fucking fat boy. The old bruiser's put-downs. I boiled over and pulled the belt tight around my co-star's neck. What? Look at me, Taylor! Look how wet I am for you! <laughs> Leo zoomed in. Trevin strained and wrenched as I squeezed the life from him. <laughs> his eyes bulged. I leaned into his throttled face. <laughs> Finally, you get to put it in me after all these years, Floyd. He spat phlegm, his magnificent beast scraping my chin. Finally, I get to feel you inside me. Can't you see how much I loved you and want you to fuck me? Keep filming. This is magnificent. Cried Leo Hancock. Tony one testicle, sensing the mood, ran for the door. But the door was locked. He scrambled for a key, knocking the laptop and the aftershave flying. I hoofed my legs under me, pushed Zuberi Jelani off me, and hauled myself up, constricting 12-inch Taylor's beetrooted neck. 
I turn to face all four in room four. Zuberi, Leo, Tony, and you. Stop! But I can't let you inside me like this, Floyd. This is my room. It's mine. And you and your flesh rats have raped its soul. And Mr. Lion here exploiting you for money. This is no reunion. Only a reunion fantasized behind my back. And I knew it. I didn't want it, but I knew. We can never go back. And you can't have me like this. Not here. You can't desecrate my memories. They were innocent. You just... Ah! Oh, they're no wankers. I released Taylor and jumped for the half bottle of Bordeaux. He fell to his knees in spasms and gurgled. Tony kicked at the door. And Zuberi started praying. I looked at Leo. Still filming. I peered close into his lens holding the bottle. Hi, yeah. Uh, my name's Lindor. I was a wife, a mother, a worker, and a lover. And I am always the frumpy dumpster. I smashed the Bordeaux off the hot photo lamps. Flames ignited as glass showered my mother load. The panic began. This is my school reunion. And it's the last thing I ever do. Dumpster, an A&M production, starred Linda Lam. My name's Lindor. Floyd Taylor. Lindor. Michael Lam. Ah, Linda Love. Sean Wrigley. Linda Lam. Jagger Jordan. Hey, I know you, don't I? Brendan Barty. <laughs> Are you ready, Linda? Gavin Moore. Very sexy woman. Michelle McTimian. Follow me. Bert Kavanagh. What are you doing, lads? Leo Hancock. Hello, Linda! Zuberi Jelani. Oh, yeah, Linda! Joe Hilty. <laughs> and Tony Wilson. Hello, Linda! Copyright A&M. 2019